Jesus. Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that you, you paid the price. You paid my debt. You paid you and you alone could remove the wall of hostility that separated us, the wall that separated us from each other, the wall that separated us from you. Only you could bring reconciliation between us and you, between each of us and each other. We thank you, God. We praise you. Thank you. Amen. You may be seated if you're still standing. Well, good morning. It's great to be here in the morning. It's a little different. So, you know, it still takes some getting used to. But it's good to be here. So if I say this evening at any point in this time, just roll with it. I mean morning. So we're in this, in this uh, series right now, Apostello. And we've been talking about what it means to live a sent life. Before that, we did a series on Kaleo, and we talked about what, it, what, it, what does it look like, what does it mean to live a called life. But God doesn't just call us for the sake of having a good club. Well, now, now we're all together. Now we're happy. But he calls us so that we can live a sent life, a sent life that flows from first being called. And this scent life, we've been looking at different things about this scent life. I'll just summarize for you. But the scent life is an incarnational life. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. It's an intentional life. It's life on mission. Sometimes called a missional life. It's an immersed life. It's immersed in a new culture. We see in the book of Acts, immersed in a new community immersed in the presence of God and immersed in tension that comes from living as the representatives of Jesus. It puts you in some strange and uncomfortable situations when you really do it. It's not the comfortable life. And if you, for some reason, you're you're thinking this morning that the Christian life is a warm, comfortable life, I'm sorry to disappoint. And you won't like any of the messages in this series then. But it's usually a challenging life, and it's usually a costly life. But it's not, not usually warm and comfortable. So we're immersed in tension, immersed in community, immersed in culture. This new community of faith is what we're going to be talking about today. What is community, and how do you find it? We also, we talked last week about the gospel of the kingdom, and that where the gospel of the kingdom, it's about Jesus being king. And where he's king, these kind of things happen. He said he was anointed to bring provision, pardon, healing, deliverance, and restoration. When he's king, these kind of things happen. So, this new community, it's not just a community, it's a kingdom community. It's a community that's that's formed around the king. And community is a really interesting thing. We talk about it a lot. Everybody's trying to create it or build it or foster it. I'm not sure very many people really know what it is. Everybody, even the people that are trying to create it and foster it. What are you trying to do? Oh, we're just trying to build community. What's that even mean? I mean, we've got TV shows dedicated to it. Some are named after it. And TV shows dedicated to this concept of this ideal 
where everybody gets along and we're friends. And what is that? That's community. If you look at the, at the TV shows that in this country have been some of the biggest hits, most of them were formed around a community. Why did people like it so much? Because within each of us, there is something that longs for that place of belonging. This concept of community, it's like this ideal that, that we're reaching towards that sometimes we don't even know what it's going to look like. And it's something that many people, well, it's a lot like, one of the many things that you also see on TV and what people talk about a lot, it's one of those things that people strive for, is a, a chiseled body, you know, to be ripped, to have abs. And abs and being ripped is something that, check this out, you either want, you have, or you used to have. I find that most people used to have, right? Or... Uh, you know somebody that does. You know, being, being fit and in shape and chiseled, that's something that you either once were, you wish you were, you know somebody who was, or you currently are. And I don't know how many times I've heard people say, I remember when I was in shape. I used to be able to do that. They see somebody dunk. I used to be able to do that. I decided a few weeks ago that I was saying that a lot. I used to do this, I used to, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to start working out again, because I used to do a lot of things that I can't do anymore. But community is kind of like that. It's that thing that maybe we experienced it at one point in our lives, and we say, I used to know what that was like. Maybe you're experiencing it right now. Oftentimes I find that some people that are experiencing community don't realize it until it's gone. And they're like, wow, that was really nice. I used to be in shape. You know, that kind of a thing. I used to be in community. And I wish I was in community, or that person, they're in community. So it's kind of like that, I think. And we, we have this ideal to find someday this community or this being in shape. And sometimes we treat it kind of like we treat being in shape. Mañana, tomorrow, as soon as the season of Survivor is over, you know, whatever, as soon as the season of American Idol and The Voice, as soon as that's over, then I'll get in shape. Then I will learn how to play an instrument. Then I will discover what this community really looks like. Community is talked about so much, we long for it. But I found something that it's kind of like getting in shape. It takes work. You know, on TV, they, shall, they sell you all these things for, for getting in shape. And when you get them, they don't just do the work by themselves. They, they make it look so easy on there. I don't know if you guys have ever watched those things. But they make it look so easy. If you just get this thing, in five minutes a day, you can have abs like that, which is a lie. I mean, really. Don't believe it. It's impossible. And I remember striving for that as a, as a teenager. I worked out so much that at one point my stomach had gone beyond a six-pack into a one-pack. I'm not kidding. If you exercise too much, it's actually bad for you. And uh, so much so that a guy got a running start on a kick and kicked me in the stomach, and I was like, what? Because 
it had become this blob of muscle. It was bad. And I strived for this ideal, and I would look at all these different exercising things. But guess what? They all took work. Community's kind of like that. We can find all these different tricks. We can read books to do it. We can go to small groups for it. We can join a group, like a missional community for it. But we're going to get there, and we're going to discover this actually requires changing things. It's not a magical pill, unfortunately. But what is community defined? You, some of you are doing the tangible kingdom primer. I would encourage you to pick one up if you haven't yet. You can catch up. You can start where we're at, and you can go back later. In the tangible kingdom primer and in the tangible kingdom book, uh, he defines community as this. A unified body of individuals, a group of people with a common characteristic or interest living together within a larger society. Community cannot be created in isolation, nor does it, does it happen without action. It requires people to navigate the tensions of interpersonal relationships. It takes work. Communities all over the Bible. God himself lives in this really cool community. I mean, Genesis starts out with, let us make man in our image. The Trinity, living in this three-in-one, interdependent unity of community. It's pretty cool. All throughout the Bible, you've got different stories emerging, like David and his mighty men. I mean, that would have been really cool. I would have signed up for that if they would have had cell phones and, like, internet and other cool things like that back then. I would have totally been there. You know, my sword and my cell phone. Like, what? Who knows? Like, we all, don't you read those stories and you're like, I wish I, I would have totally done that. I would have been there. But when we stop and think about all the things we'd be giving up, we'd probably be like, I don't know about that. But they had something really cool going on. They had a camaraderie. They were a team. They were fighting together. They had a common mission. The disciples with Jesus, that was pretty cool. They spent all their time together. For those of you who are type B personalities, you'd be like, woohoo! Type A personalities, you might have been like me going like, okay, now what do we do? Cast out demons. All right, we're casting out demons. And then we come back. Now sit here and talk. What? what? Let's do something. But it was pretty cool what they had. 120 disciples praying together. They're spending time together. Then something explodes, and this amazing church happens in, in the book of Acts, and there's thousands of people that are sharing meals together in their homes and praying together and doing what we just did here with the Lord's Supper in homes, so probably not this many people. That was pretty cool. So I think the Bible can tell us a little bit about this community that we're striving for so that we don't end up with a, a one-pack you know, so we don't overdo it and do the wrong things and hurt ourselves. I actually went to, to some people that, that knew what they were doing about exercise, and they're like, dude, you got to, like, change what you're doing. As a kid, as a teenager working out, people knew what they were doing. They coached me on how to, like, not hurt myself. We actually need personal trainers, right? It's healthy. It's good to have personal trainers. Same thing goes spiritually. One of those personal trainers that we have the Apostle Paul. We can look at what he wrote about it, and we can learn, and we can go, like, there was something going on here, and it was really cool, and they talked about it. Book of Romans, chapter 12, if you would open to Romans 12 with me. This is a portion of Scripture that we usually look at to talk about the diversity of gifts in the body of Christ and how we should use those gifts for others. We should all use our gifts together. It's really interesting that it's actually talking about community and gifts together. So the picture of the body wasn't just like, we need the gift that you have so that we can all accomplish what God has called us as one body to do. But it was actually fleshed out community. 
And we can see that by the things that he mixes in with the giftings. So if you have your Bibles in Romans chapter 12, verse 4, you are one step ahead of me. And if you would, do me this one favor, and let's just stand to read, the, read this beginning scripture here. Romans chapter 4. If you're able to stand, please stand. And if not, don't worry about it. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does act, acts of mercy with cheerfulness, let us love, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another, do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would open our ears to hear what you want to say this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This is like the workout plan for community. So if your goal was to have a perfect washboard or to be perfectly in shape or to run a mile or run 10 or run a marathon, you would have a workout plan. You would have an idea of the things that you're going to do to accomplish that goal. This lays it out for us. It tells us why, and it tells us how. Starts out in Romans chapter 12 and verse verse 1 and 2. It talks about not being conformed to this world. Oftentimes we think of that as sinful behaviors. Don't be conformed to sinful patterns of thinking and sinful behaviors. But it launches from that, which is true. It launches from that right into this this talk about community and about needing each other. And that kind of goes against the way we normally think, naturally. Naturally. I mean, as we've been talking about the kingdom, and depending on which culture you come from, it may be to different degrees, but usually when we talk about the gospel, we talk about it in an individual form. Right? Pray this prayer, and you will be saved. What is the gospel? What did the, some, we talk about it oftentimes. What's the gospel about? Well, if you, you can have a personal relationship with Jesus, which is true. You can But for the people at this time, it was a very communal experience. This personal relationship with Jesus wasn't private. It wasn't something that maybe someday my coworkers will know about it, but I really won't let on. I'm not going to try to shove it down their throat, which means I'm, you know, ninja Christian. I do, like, what are you doing? Nothing? You know, you're, reading, you're, pray, you're praying before your meal. You're doing just had something in my eye. It's not that. It was very public for them. For them, joining faith 
probably meant that they were going to be disowned by their family. It might have meant that they'd have difficulties at work. They might not be able to sell the things that they sold. If they were in the marketplace, people might not want to do business with them anymore. This was a very public thing. It wasn't just walking the aisle type of a public commitment. It meant that everyone outside of the place where they were gathering would know these people have chosen to align themselves with those people. They've become one of them. Which is interesting because them, we'll talk about that in two weeks, but them, those Christians, had a really interesting way of opening themselves up to those that would call them them. Is that confusing or what? The others. They weren't a closed group. They were a very open group. But we'll talk about that in two weeks. Here he's connecting gifts. In Romans 12, he's connecting gifts, relationships, justice, peace, acceptance. He's showing an integrated view of church life, which is really interesting. He talks about fellowship and in the things he's talking about, sharing life on every level. The things he talks about in here Rejoicing with those who rejoice, weeping with those who weep, forgiving one another, offering hospitality. That's the kind of stuff that you do when you're in community. Like, you can't rejoice with those who rejoice if you're by yourself. Or weep with those who weep. Rejoicing with those who rejoice and weeping with those who weep is actually a really common practice when you're in community. Because when you're sharing life authentically, like down to the nitty-gritty, you know, when you're down to the really authentic parts of life, Crying and rejoicing happens a lot. Crying with the people, you actually share what's on your heart. You don't hold that. You don't hold out on that. Like oftentimes, we tend to. I'm generalizing, okay? So it might not be you. But when we're going through something hard, instead of going towards people, we pull back and we say, "I'm a very private person about this. I'm, a, I'm private about these things." Well, one of the things that we're doing there is we're not allowing people the opportunity to weep with those who weep. We say, man, I'm going through something really hard. I need to go cry it out. I'm going to go be by myself. I had something really, really happy happen. Sometimes we're afraid to go rejoice with somebody because they'll get jealous. Right? You're you're, you're sharing about something really good that just happened, and your wonderful, encouraging brother or sister in Christ has a way of just like, Killing it? You guys ever had that experience? You're just so excited, and they tell you some reason why it's not really that cool. This is the practice of community. Whenever we do those things, we isolate ourselves to weep, or we, like, squash somebody's rejoicing because it makes us feel less happy. We're killing community. We're working out wrong. So, let's keep going here. The kingdom community, I'm just going to look through this scripture and we're going to look at, first off, some primary themes of what the kingdom community has and then some very practical applications of what does that look like? What does that mean I'm called to be? So first off, um, actually let's read Romans, Romans 15, 5 through 6 first. Because he jumps ahead, he, he talks to them about the body of Christ and the law of love and how they shouldn't judge each other. And they should love each other so much that they care about not causing the other one to stumble. Pretty cool. Uh, And then in verse 5 of chapter 15, he says, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another 
in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 7, therefore welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Really interesting that he connects their, their way of life and living in harmony with one another as something that glorifies God. Matthew chapter 5 talks about doing such good works that people, other people, praise God. Same kind of thing going on here. That your way of living will cause praise to rise to God. So God receives it as praise, but other people see it as praise to God. That the way you live to outsiders would look like they've got something real there. That looks interesting. There's harmony. How many musicians are there here here this morning? I almost said tonight. All right? Harmonies are beautiful things. Chords are wonderful, but there's some dissonant chords that sound kind of cool. Sometimes when you throw an extra note in there, you have an augmented chord. It's like, okay, it's a little weird sounding, but it's all right. But when you get a note that's totally from a different key, it sounds terrible. I won't demonstrate. I won't put you through that. That's living in disharmony. But when we're living this way, Romans, what Romans 12 is talking about, it's this harmony that people look at it and go, that's beautiful. I don't know what they've got, but that's beautiful. I want some of that. So first off, and what we look at here, the foundations of what kingdom community is built on, it's an inclusion of all people. Right here in Romans and in James and throughout the New Testament, the church was told not to look down on people because of their outward appearance, whether they looked wealthy or not, because of their status or their lack of status. It was open. It was including everybody. Because of the common share that we have in God, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, we should be united. Inclusive community, not a closed place, but a place where more people can belong. It's not, okay, I've included all of this side of the room. We're in community. There's about 80 people on this side of the room, maybe. We're a missional community. Yeah. Woo. We love Jesus. Nobody else is allowed in. You guys over there, I'm sorry. You'll have to make your own. But we love each other over here, don't we? Yeah. It's so much fun. And all of you guys are like, well, I wish I could be it. No. You can't come. Well, there's no room for you. That's not inclusive. We, I used to see this when I was a youth pastor. It drove me crazy. We have the youth groups growing. All of these kids are coming in that aren't from, that don't know Jesus. They're coming in. And what do they find? A group of Christian kids standing in a circle. Circles are closed. Circles say there's enough people in this group. And they were having so much fun. It really was appealing from the outside. Like you'd see these kids come in and go like, oh, they really like each other. That's fun. And they maybe start smiling a little bit. Like, oh, that was a funny joke. But they're still standing outside of the circle. So I actually tried to, I had to physically teach groups of people to stand in open circles. Like a U. You just have, you have just as much fun. No one, nothing changes in terms of the level of fun. Except that when people walk up to that group, 
they know they can join. And they can stand in that, in that open U2. U2. Anyway. They can be there. They're welcome. That's inclusive. That's a relationships where we're seeing each other as a force of love and not a fortress of fear. Fortress of fear would be let's like close ourselves off and not be contaminated by the sins of the world. Us four and no more. So that's an open, inclusive community. A kingdom community is devoted to Jesus. It's about Jesus. It's all throughout this scripture here in Romans 12 and throughout the New Testament. Not at the exclusion of other people. Devoted to Jesus in a personal way, but not a private way. We tend to live in a highly individualistic society. I mean, even our commercials, most commercials, if you pay attention to commercials, watch them. They're about you. They want you to believe that it is all about you. In fact, Burger King wants you to have it your way. It's all about you and your desires. And the really interesting thing, that it's all about you and you're unique, just like everybody else. You, too, can stand out from the crowd, just like anybody else who is willing to pay that for this. It's very individualistic. It's very much our lives uh, can, can become about what, what are your dreams? What does God have for you? We can spiritualize this, too. What does, God, what does God want you to do at the exclusion and expense of community? Many other cultures don't think this way. My understanding of God's plan for my life is interconnected with my understanding of God's plan for his people. So my devotion to Jesus is very personal, but it's not private, it's not segregated, it's very integrated into life with others. And there was a common mission of the gospel in kingdom community. There's a different kind of community that emerges when you have a common mission than when you just like each other. I don't know, have you guys been a part of a group where you had things in common? You were all maybe parents of kids the same age, and you hung out together, and it was good. You loved each other. Maybe you didn't say it. You said, I love your brownies. I love your cooking. You know, but you liked each other. You had things in common. You had lots of stuff to talk about. That's a type of community. How many of you have been a part of a community where a group of people, maybe I'll just take the word community out, a group of people who were doing something meaningful together. You shared a common bond. It was pretty exciting, right? There's a different type of community that emerges when it's not about what we have in the external things that we have in common, but about the mission that we have in common. And when the mission is the kingdom of God and the advancing of the kingdom of God, man, crazy stuff can happen. And you have people that have nothing outwardly in common coming together in community who would never have been in community. But they have a common mission. And suddenly, they become great friends. Because they're doing something together. They're doing mission. This is kingdom community. So kingdom community is not based on the external things that we have in common. It's not, well, we're going to have a group for young adults. If you're not a young adult, you can't be in it. What we have in common is that we're young adults. That's community. It's true. It's good. A kingdom community would be, we're going to have a group of people devoted to this. And if you're 65 
or 15, and you want to make a difference in this area, come and join us. And you'll see the 65-year-old connecting with a 15-year-old like you never thought could happen. Because there's a common mission. And this is the kind of stuff that the, church, that the early church was involved in. They had a common mission. They impacted the whole world in a short amount of time. So how do we do that? How do we live out this community, this kingdom community that we're called to? Well, first, I think we're called to be integrated and inclusive. Romans 12 says, So we, though we are many, are one body in Christ. In the same way that I have lots of different parts to my body. It's one body, but it has many parts. It's integrated. Individually members one of another. Have you ever thought about this? That with, when you're in community with people, when you're in this type of relationship, you belong to each other? Anybody? Has anybody thought that way before? You can say yes. It's not one of those things where like, I'm expecting you to say no and then like, I have the answer. No. Like, you can, it, but it's not, not how we usually think. We belong to each other as part of the body of Christ, which is crazy. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. That's integrated. That's inclusive. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty. Don't be prideful. Associate with the lowly. That's inclusive. Associate with the people who aren't like you. Oftentimes, I think we can, in this area, we can view our lives kind of like a cell phone. Or kind of like we used to use cell phones, you know, to make phone calls and send text messages. It's connected to the tower. The tower can be like God. We're connected to the tower periodically. Beep, beep. Yeah, we're still there. Beep, still there. I want to connect with Tom. I call Tom. We're connected. Boop. We hang up. We're disconnected. And we can call that community or we can call that relationships and we can think of ourselves as this kind of we can, we can separate out. Integrated would be a lot more like the Internet. The Internet would be nothing if all the servers in the world and all of the computers in the world unplugged. They actually depend on each other. Some of you are like, no way. Like a global power outage would kill this thing? Yes. That's a lot more like what we could view this. Like the internet. When I plug into the internet, and if I stayed plugged into the internet, I connect with the things that I connect to because there are other people connected to those things. We're all connecting together at the same time. There's this connection. Integrated life would be when I'm connecting, I'm connecting with a group of people. It's not just about me and one person, but there's this group way of thinking, not group thinking. Nobody got that. Okay. Uh, it's inclusive. It's that open circle versus a closed circle. We let other people in. That's what this is about. Kingdom community. If the church of the book of Acts had not been inclusive, they would have never grown. They wouldn't have grown. 5,000 people would have said, yes, Jesus. 120 would have said, no, you stay over there. We were with Jesus. You can't jump on now. No. We went through three years of following him, and we've been praying for ten days. You stay over there. That's crazy. They were inclusive. They let those people in. 
incarnational and missional. We've been talking about this, so this is really easy, but it's here in Romans 12. So we, though we are many, are one body in Christ. We are the body of Christ. Not I am the body of Christ, but we are the body of Christ. So that when we are working together, and I don't mean like the official church as an entity, as an organization before the government of the United States, but when a group of us within the church are working together in a place, we are the body of Christ. We represent Christ there. It's pretty cool. That's incarnational. When I'm thinking that I, with my family, that me, with my friends, we represent Christ in, that, in this community. We represent Christ at, at work. We represent Christ at school. And all of the things of the gospel of the kingdom that we talked about before, the pardon, all right, his forgiveness, his healing, his provision, his deliverance, his peace, we represent Christ to bring those things to the world. That's incarnational. Love one another with brotherly affection, he says. Outdo one another in showing honor. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. That's missional. Use the gifts that you've been given. Everybody here has gifts. And a lot of times we can think of gifts as the gifts that only fit within the box of a Sunday morning two-hour service. Well, I don't like kids, so I can't do nursery or kids things. And I'm not a musician. If you don't like kids, just, anyway, you got to like, there's a little bit of room for loving kids in everybody's heart, I think. I didn't like kids, and now I have five. How's that work? I don't play an instrument. I'm not good with computers. I don't really like greeting people at the doors. There's no room for my gifts. I have no place. God has given you gifts, and it's not just to use on Sunday morning. And for those of you who do have those gifts, and you do like kids, and you do play instruments, this isn't it. This isn't the end. I mean, this, what we've just accomplished here this morning, is kind of like brushing your teeth and getting dressed in the morning. We're just getting ready to go do what we've been designed to do. So the gifts that he has given you, use those with other people to represent Christ. Bless those who persecute you. Anybody can do that? You don't need a special gift to do that. Bless, yeah, yeah. you need a special grace to do that. Bless and do not curse them. So incarnational means... I go out and I, when I see a need, or a group of us see a need, we, we pray about it, we talk about it, and we ask, how can I be Christ? How can we be Christ in this situation? So, for instance, our, our, the group that meets in our home, we looked around and we looked at the gifts that were present, and we found out we all have a gift. We all speak English. You probably didn't think that was a gift. Well, it is if you don't speak English. And we looked around at the people that we were connecting with and at the people that we were serving, and we discovered they don't know English. They want to learn English. They're having difficulties at work, difficulties with their kids in school, difficulties in the community because they don't know English, and they really want to learn English. So what can we do? We can use our gift as a blessing together. So we started engaging a community that didn't speak English, and we're finding 
opportunities to pray with people. People are sharing that aren't Christians are sharing about the deep things in their lives, the struggles that they're going through. And we can come alongside as the church and pray with them. That's incarnational. That's missional. Looking at a need, looking at the gifts. And how can we represent Christ in this situation? It might be shoveling people's driveways. It might be taking somebody meals. It might be praying for your neighbor that just told you he's sick. You might be praying for your neighbor who just told you that she lost her job. And it might not be, I'm going to pray for them discreetly and quietly over here. But saying, can I pray for you? Crazy story. My neighbor and I are snow blowing. My neighbor, he's great. And he challenges me to live a missional, incarnational life. Because it snows, and I have a really long driveway, strangely, even though I still live within, like, what we would call the city. I don't know how they set this house so far back, but that's a long driveway. So I'm snowblowing, and the snowblower, I'm tall, right? So the snowblower is, like, at my knees. So I'm doing this, snowblowing this driveway. Ah, my back hurts. I'm sweaty, even though it's, like, zero degrees out. And he's out there. He's cleared his driveway, and he's working on my neighbor's driveway. I'm like, you can't do that. So I'm out there with him, and we're doing driveways together, and we're clearing things. He challenges me to live like a representative of Jesus. He doesn't know Jesus the way I do. He knows him in a different way, and we're talking about that, and it's great. We have great conversations. So one day, we just finished clearing a driveway, and I'm sitting there all sweaty, and we're talking, and I ask him how his job hunt is going. And he tells me some different things he's going on. And I say, well, I want to pray for you. And he does this. Talk about challenging. He says, you haven't been already? I was like, whoa, that's so true. Wow. So I didn't say I want to pray for you someday. I, I just prayed with him right there. The coolest thing was we go to pray, and he comes over to me, and he puts his arm around me to pray. I was like, wow, this is, God's doing something here. There's lots of opportunities. Intentional investment. It says here, if possible, this is the intentionality in Romans 12, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Be intentional. Have, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. That's intentional. One body in Christ, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. That requires an investment mindset. You don't know what the results are going to be when you go to invest, but you seek to show hospitality. You contribute to the needs of the saints without expecting something in return. Uh, how many years has it been? About seven years ago, I was doing some small group stuff and we were moving into what it looked like to be intentional community with a group of teenagers. Like, what would it look like if teenagers lived this way? So we had this covenant of biblical things taken from the book of Acts of what it would mean to live in community. And I had one of the teenagers and their family that looked at that and said, we can't do this. And I'm like, why not? It's all biblical. What if somebody takes this seriously? I'm like, that's kind of what I'm hoping they'll do. But there was fear that kept from that place of committing to community. Fear that said, I'll be taken advantage of. People might actually take this community thing seriously. They'll actually expect me to weep with them when they weep. 
rejoice with them when they rejoice, to spend time with them when I have other things to do, people might take this seriously. And I sure hope they do. I really do. One of the quotes out of the book, The Tangible Kingdom, says, the ancient communities were a window between the kingdom to come and the kingdom now. As people watched the followers of Christ sacrifice their reputations, their possessions, and their physical lives for others, they found a story big enough for their hearts. Searching onlookers would take seriously the good of these people and their claims of a heavenly kingdom because they witnessed them holding this life so loosely. God wants us to experience community. It's not something that we have to relegate to a television commercial at midnight that promises you that with five minutes a day, you too can experience community. It does take work, and it takes doing this. Connecting with and integrating with other believers and in such a way that's inclusive of people who aren't. It takes fleshing out what it means to be Jesus with other people. It takes intentionality, and it takes an investment mindset that says, I don't know what the results of this are going to be, but this is what Jesus is doing, and I want to do it with him. So what would community look like for you today? Maybe it's sharing with some of your friends what's really going on, the good or the bad. Maybe it's rejoicing with those who rejoice or weeping with those who weep. Maybe it's sharing fun times, going to do something fun. Yes, it it can be fun. It's actually lots of fun. Maybe it's sharing a meal. You know, one of the things that we do almost without fail three times a day is eat. Community-mindedness would say, I want to eat with other people. Even if it's once a week, I want to open my home up. Maybe it's an intentional, missional thing where I'm opening up my home. As a family, we're opening up for these neighbors, this one specific neighbor, or different neighbors throughout the community as opportunities arise. Or maybe it's people in the church body. Or maybe it's both. But sharing a meal is what it could be. It could be as simple as that. It could be sharing work with somebody. You're going to do something. Invite somebody to do it with you. You're going to build a deck, build a porch. Actually, do you know that sociologically, the experience in America changed when we went from having porches on houses to having decks? That was a sign of a change. That now it's no longer, life doesn't happen in the front where everyone else can see. It happens in the back where I have my fence. And I can keep you out. I can wave, but this is private. This barbecue that we're doing here, I'm not planning on sharing that with you. When it's in the front, this barbecue that we're doing here might actually have to feed that neighbor that comes over and just kind of stands there awkwardly. There's a little bit of tension. Something shifted. Maybe it means adding a porch to the front of your house. So you have a deck and a porch. But if you're doing something, you're working on a project, invite somebody to do it with you. There are people out there that want to do it, Christian or not Christians. Do, do stuff with others that you would normally do alone. Give of your time, your talents, your treasures, your technology, maybe. You know, leverage Facebook for good. Twitter, if you blog, blog about things that bring people together. 
around something meaningful, something that makes a difference. We have these tendencies. We've been praying prayers of reflection and repentance. But as we looked at in Isaiah 53 during communion, each of us has gone their own ways. And sometimes we can take following Jesus the same way. I think there's a lot of community here at Bethel. There's a level of community at Bethel that I haven't experienced elsewhere. And I think what God's calling us to do is to take that community out of this building, into the neighborhoods, into the city, and have it be an inclusive community that allows other people to see what's happening. Because when it's happening in here, other people can't see it. And when it's happening out there, people go, wow, that is something I've never seen before. I want some of that. But one of the things that gets in our way of doing that is our individualism. That says, community is something that I experience on Sundays from 10 to 12. I'm a part of a mosaic, so on Fridays from 6 to 8. That's my community time. The rest of time is my time. And individualism gets in the way of us experiencing community. So I would encourage you to go back to Romans. Look through that, that workout plan for community. Go back to the tangible kingdom. Keep working through this. And uh, I'd like us to just close with this prayer, and let's leave it at reflection after that. Let's receive the word that we've heard today. Dear Heavenly Father, because of your deep love for us, you ask us to love each other deeply. Forgive us for loving each other conveniently. You ask us to offer hospitality to one another. Forgive us for withdrawing from another's needs. You ask us to use whatever gift you have given us, our time, our resources, our need, our compassion, our activities, to serve others and faithfully live out grace. Forgive us for letting gifts you've given fall idle, sparingly dispensed as if rare. We acknowledge once again that you are the giver and the lover, Help us be more like you. Amen. Holy Spirit, I pray that as we go from this place, you would empower us to hear what you want us to hear, to see what you want us to see, to say what you want us to say, to do what you've called us to do and to be the people that you've called us to be. That we would really take life and joy into every place that you've taken us, that you've placed us, God. That your joy and your peace would be our portion. And that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done in and through our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.